on a mission to increase transparency and accessibility in the beauty industry, Priscilla Sai is the founder and CEO of the conscious skincare brand Coco Kind. For more on Priscilla's journey from her approach to beauty to the future of Coco Kind, stay tuned. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce you our guest for today, Priscilla Sai. She began her journey in 2015 after struggling with skin concerns throughout her teens and into her career on the Wall Street. Soon after looking into living a more holistic lifestyle and seeking gentle but effective ingredients, she decided to create Coco Kind, a conscious, affordable and simple skincare line with products that make you feel good from the inside out. What I really love is Priscilla's super close connection with the Coco Kind community. She is completely open and engaged with her community and in doing so has created a newly positive tone of marketing that doesn't just preach an aspirational form of beauty, but it truly is that. From showcasing superfood ingredients to drawing inspiration from our Asian heritage, I can already see we have so much in common and I'm proud to say we're already dear friends. So This isn't our first time meeting. So Priscilla... Thank you so much for being with us and can't wait to just share your incredibly inspiring journey. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. <laughs> well, I, you know, you, when you do good things, you get a good intro. That's it's, it's all, you, you make my job easier. So I was like, oh, how do I synthesize that? That was the hard part. Um, but Priscilla, I asked you know, all the guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, it's who in a nutshell is Priscilla? Um, wow. So that's a, that's a really interesting question. So Priscilla is, um, well, first, you know, I grew up in Michigan, um, Asian American family, and um, I've always been a very um, just down to earth, um, humble, but really ambitious Amazing. woman. I love that. So, but actually talk us through that. So uh, where, where, when you grew in Michigan, I know your parents immigrated from Taiwan in the yep. 80s, but um what was that like growing up with that sort of like a culture clash? Cause I had the same, you know, being in London with my Indian parents. Tell us more about that. Yeah. It's really interesting. I feel like I was born and raised in Michigan. Um, and at home we lived a very, you know, Taiwanese and Chinese, you know, life. Um, but outside of home, I lived in a really white, um, suburb. Um, and so I kind of had this like bifurcation of growing up where I, you know, led this one life in school and then at home was like super Asian. You know, I did like the violin lessons, the piano lessons, the after school programs, like all of that stuff, um, you know, preparing rice every single day before my parents came home. My parents both worked. They both worked a lot. And um, and then going to school and being the only Asian person, you know, really in my entire class. Um, for the most part, and feeling like I kind of was just trying to fit in and almost like didn't want to show my Asian lunches and just wanted to buy lunch in the cafeteria. 
um, you know, things like that, where it's just like living two very different identities um, growing up in Michigan. Uh, and did you have like any moments in your childhood where the beauty industry came into play, where you started like experiencing beauty brands and noticing things about the industry? Yeah. Um, so one, like my mom has like the most um, amazing skin. So my, it, it was always this thing, like my dad had a lot of acne growing up, like a lot. And it was, my mom always talked about it when they first met, he had like tons of acne and, um, and it was kind of this like joke and she had perfect and she never has had a, a breakout in her life. Um, and her skin looks more fine than mine today. And, you know, it's always been a thing. So I've watched her since I was really young, care for her skin um, I, we always made fun of her cause when we would go out in the sun, she would be wearing like five hats and like, you know, full length, like fully covered. Um, and she never wanted sun exposure, which for us, you know, growing up, we were like, Oh, I want to be tan. And we wanted that sun exposure. And she would always tell us like, you shouldn't do that. You need to wear sunscreen or you need to cover up. And, um, so that was like the first exposure. Then I'd say a little bit deeper into it. I have an older sister who's four years um, older than I am. And um, when I was in middle school, she was in high school and she started to have like really severe acne. And it would be one of those things where I would have to get up. She would wake me up at like 630 in the morning earlier than I had to get up from middle school. And she would make me like cover up her acne. So I'd be like flabbing on foundation and everything and like very tired and doing a really crappy job. Um, And so I just kind of like knew this was a thing for her. And I knew it was probably going to be, you know, something I had to deal with too. And, and of course I did um, when I got to high school, but it, that was kind of like the first entrance into it feeling like, you know, my sister had this skin issue and we, you know, she needed me to cover up her acne every day before she went to school. And did you like find, uh, you know, going into the Wall Street and then the kind of initially in your initial career, I think, was it JP Morgan you started working in? And then um, did you find like, it, your mindset changed on beauty? Did it get, like, you know, did the skin concerns, even for yourself, did you start noticing differences? Um, I feel like, you know, I, skin, my skin was always my biggest insecurity. You know, like it was through and through, you know, from high school and beyond. Um, and it was definitely that insecurity was was full on um, yeah. on blast when I was at J.P. Morgan because I was, you know, young 20s um, in yeah. New York. And, um feeling like, you know, that, that is, that, that was something that like everybody is looking at when you're breaking out. And so for me, you know, it was a really big part of my life during that time period, because I would have to, uh, I would like, even during lunch, I would like wash my face, reapply my makeup and the JP Morgan woman's bathroom, because I felt like the makeup was breaking out my skin. And then, you know, I do a whole routine. So I wouldn't feel as oily, like, et cetera, et cetera. I never went anywhere without a full pouch of makeup um, and I would reapply my makeup all the time. So it was not a positive relationship at all, um, mm-hmm. but it was like a very, cl- I had a very close relationship with my beauty beauty routine because I felt like I had to. Yeah, no, I completely can relate. And, and it is something that like uh, often you, you notice when you're doing these uh, routines or you have like certain your go-tos, there is something missing. And sometimes like what you were kind of seeing at the beginning of your journey is there was a gap in this market for a very affordable, clean, conscious, but skincare brand that maybe can fix the problems from, you know, 
the, you don't have to put makeup on top of it if you can really fix the problems from its root, which is the skin. Same with my brand with the hair. Yeah. So did you find you were looking in the market and there are incredible skincare brands, we all know that, mm-hmm. but did you find there was something really missing for you as a, as a consumer or even people that you knew? Yeah, I mean, I think one, I was um, approached my skin for so many years as like, let's be, let's like kill my acne. Let's just like be as mm. harsh as possible. And so I was really used to my skincare stinging every day, like for years. Um, And so that was like, for so many years, I thought that that was like supposed to be the way it is. Um, And then when, you know, that flipped for me and I realized that I can have skincare that doesn't sting my face at all, uh, doesn't make me red at all. And it actually makes my skin feel softer, more moisturized for the first time. And also is helping my breakouts. Then it was kind of like this total, you know, light bulb moment where I realized like, okay, I totally need to change what I'm looking for in a skincare product. And, and I never approached skincare and the beauty business as something that I was going to do one day. Like I, if you told my 19 year old, 20 year old self that this was my career, my like life's work very much. So like, I would be like, hell no, you know, like it was my largest insecurity. I never thought that I never approached, you know, the beauty because I wanted to start a business or find an opportunity here. Um, it was just something that I kind of had this realization. And then a big part of it was, um, you know, the psychological impacts. I was really psychologically impacted by mm. um, acne and breaking out. And like I said, I never went around anywhere. I didn't even open my door to go get a food delivery downstairs in a building in New York without a full face of makeup. And so there was this, there was this like, really big thing where I noticed in the food industry, there was starting to be this like movement and new food brands and getting to know the entrepreneurs. And they were talking about doing business in a different way. And I was like, that's really cool. And I felt like beauty, everything was like billboards and, you know, just Mm -hmm. really gigantic marketing statements. And I felt like, you know, I'm just a consumer and um, I just want to feel like good (laughs) at the end of the day. And so when I started to come to this, like, realization that I I really wanted to build a a beauty company, a huge part of that was not only creating better products that were more accessible and just charging, you know, a fair price. um, I also wanted to change the relationship between um, consumers and their favorite beauty brands. Oh, I love that. And I really love the fact about the psychological impact that you can have with beauty in your own journey and then how you can, you know, there are ways to overcome it, but it does take time. It's a, your own personal journey. Totally. A lot of people have their own their own stories. Mm-hmm. So to know that, you know, you have it, and it, sometimes it's like a pendulum. It can come and go. We, you know, this journey we have of skin and whatever. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, you know, it's external environment, it's, it's moments in your life, it does come back, but it's about remembering the journey you're on and the, the self-awareness of what that is and how there is a deeper picture sometimes that you can make amazing products and you can definitely fix on surface level certain of those issues that people gravitate towards. However, deep within, there's a whole story of like how you can change your mindset to mm-hmm. also deal with it. Because do you have any tips on that? Because even in those moments where you had that perfect skin from, you know, being religious with some products, et cetera, or being in a good, you know, have a good hair day, you have a good skin day, you know, happens, good face day. Um, did you sometimes have moments where you're like, well, the psychological like trauma is still there, right? You still didn't feel fully confident in your skin. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, that's 
still, that's everybody, you're still on that journey too. You know, yeah. every day it could be a different story. And um, I think, you know, for me personally, I really credit building CocoKine for coming into my own self-confidence. I didn't start this company mm-hmm. being confident in my skin whatsoever. I was still breaking out. You know, I would meet with people. I'd tell them I was starting a skincare company. They'd look at my skin and be like, okay. You know, like, you know, I felt really insecure still. And it was actually, I remember specifically, it was like when Instagram stories became a thing. I like yeah. was really never on our Instagram at all. And um, Instagram stories became a thing. So I started to, you know, I remember having a breakout and I was like, I wonder if I should show this turmeric stick being applied to my breakout. And I tried it and I had so many, it was a much smaller account then, but it had so many DMs, like a hundred DMs being like, Hey, like, thank you so much for showing me this. Like I dealing with breakouts and just seeing this online is like, really like, I, I feel like I'm being seen. I feel like I'm heard. And that like, that was a comment and that that was a relationship I started building with the consumers. I was doing every single post and caption and stories and everything at that time. And, um, and then I really started to like feel more confident being like, okay, I'm like going to keep doing this because people want to see it. And so then it like really kicked off this, like, let me feel more and more comfortable. So today, mm-hmm. you know, like I can go on Instagram, like with no makeup whatsoever, or I can go on with make with the full face. And I feel totally comfortable. And that is like so wild to me because that never was a case before. I love that. And, and that's a good testament to anyone listening who's maybe going through their own journey that, you know, that self-awareness and mindset shift can be so real and it will happen. You just need to remember you're not alone. Don't, you're you know, not alone. Yeah. Does, it doesn't happen overnight. Talk, communicate and rely on the communities around you that you feel safe and trusting in. Because a lot of people probably you know, we compare or we assume a lot of the time people's own confidence or journeys, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's don't take it for surface level. Like there's so much deeper. And just by opening that conversation, do you realize there's so much more to people and maybe they might need your help as much as, you know, you might also exactly. feel you're seeking for help too. So it's a two way, it's a two way thing. And that's why I really think Coca Kind is doing so well, which we'll talk about because I have some anecdotes of people I've met um, personally in my life that have just Coco kind has always come up in a conversation for like the the best community and I think that's something that's mm. a huge testament to what you've created and also hearing your journey now it's all like the jigsaw puzzles all making sense but can you tell us a little bit about how Coco kind started like as an actual brand mm-hmm. um, and then the name the inspiration mm-hmm. and the early days yeah yeah, yeah. so um, early days you know one I started Coco kind in 2015 so we're talking like over seven years ago so you know, I think um, we always do really fun and exciting things. So a lot of times people think we're like still a newer brand, but I'm like, we've been around for a long effing time, you know? And um, before like the age of like D2C brands, Instagram yep. brands, like et cetera, et cetera, none of that really existed. Um, you know, I quit my job when I was 25 and um, had never had experience of a, you know, products business or any business, obviously, right? Like, barely had managed anybody um and left my job you know and one thing I I should say is like my mom is a small business owner so I did grow up to go up going to her office and seeing her small business run and all that stuff which was hugely impactful for me um but um I didn't have any actual experience (laughs) and so the first thing is you know after um I spent about a year and a half like just meeting the right people, learning how to build a product, working with chemists, 
um, you know, all of that stuff, but um, figuring out our packaging and all that and like launching a quote unquote website. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, at that time, I really was focused on retail. Like, I didn't even know that like, oh, you can build a, like an online business, really. I thought that you just needed a website so you could show your retailer that you're like a legit you know, company. Um, but it wasn't about like, let me build an online business at all. Um, and so I went to, you know, like I said, I was really inspired by food brands and the, the, the movement that they're creating around ingredients and transparency and the conversation. And a lot of those brands existed at Whole Foods. And so I, um, and anecdotally, I had covered, well, I had covered Whole Foods as a stock. Um, so I just knew the company well and was always in stores when I was at J.P. Morgan. And so I actually, um, you know, created our our products. And then the first thing I did was just started to call up Whole mm-hmm. Foods stores um, in California. And I had moved to San Francisco um, during that process and um, literally cold call dropped off samples. And, you know, within a couple months, we got into like the California stores. So that's how it started. You know, it's like super old school way of doing business. It wasn't about Instagram. It wasn't about any, I mean, we had an Instagram um, and I was liking like hashtag skincare, like thousands of posts yeah. at night myself to try to get noticed. Uh, this is back in the but day of hashtags. Yeah. And, but it yeah, but it wasn't, you know, a, it wasn't a way of like getting yeah. discovered. It was just a thing that I was doing. Um, so, you know, I'd say that we started as like a very old school, like very nuts and bolts type of business. And, you know, through the seven and a half years, like we have really adapted and changed. And, you know, for five years of the business bootstrapped, um, no external dollar in the business. Um, and just my savings and just you know, make some money, spend some money, make some money, spend some money, build the business that way. And then, you know, two, a little over two years ago, I finally did a series, Minority Series A. Um, and so, but it, you know, was a really long journey in the first five years and of bootstrapping to a decent yep. size. Um, and that was just, you know, a testament to like the very like humble, you know, down to earth business that I was trying to build. That's, and did you find like at any point you like had the idea like from the beginning actually did you have the idea of how many incredible products you would create or was it really like MPD was step by step led by the consumers right and what they were looking for yeah it was super led by the consumers never had this like grand vision for what the portfolio would look like um, I learned so much every single year from the consumers that we had that were coming to us. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I would say like we definitely didn't start off with this most amount of dollars, experience or anything yeah. like that. But we've learned so incredibly much um, in order for us to grow to where we've gone today. And I think that's so important because a lot of people who are interested in starting a business, A, like they're definitely they're not ready, which I always say just start because you'll never be ready yeah. until you start and just go kind of, you know, just do it kind of slogan is, is really the, the most important starting point. And then when you're on that journey, it's okay to not have it all figured out because at least if you have one strong ear listening into the the market the trends for sure the retail landscape etc but also yeah first and foremost the consumer is what they're looking for your already existing you know tribe it's so it can be so I guess you could say um yeah just a lot more comforting because you're not 
you're not that pressured because you're leading it step by step with them. Otherwise, if you put all that pressure on yourself and in your internal team just to like figure out what you're creating, um, yeah, it's hard. There, there isn't then a right direction. And uh, you don't even know if you're creating too many products. You know, we, just before the podcast, we were talking about is there, do we create more? Is it mindful MPD? Is it mass MPD? Is it P&L? Like, it's all about profit. Like, it's hard to make these decisions. And especially when you have investors who want certain numbers. Um, but I think the future is really consumer-led MPD, right? And you guys have done that from day one, which is mm-hmm. why, it's just why, honestly, people look at Kukai and they think, oh, is it like a, what, not in a, in a negative way, when they say it's a new brand, it's just, it's cool. It's like irrelevant, right? That's mm-hmm. what I think people yeah. mean by new today. Um, and it is something that um, you have stayed on trend and relevant to what people are looking for, which I think is mm-hmm. so, so great. But talking about community, um, because one of my friends, I think, you know, Jacob, he, um, when I first interacted with him, I asked him, like, what's your favorite beauty brand? And he said, Coco Kine and Priscilla. And then I saw you guys are following each other. And he was just telling me how, I said, why is this your favorite beauty brand? I said, apart from the incredible products, he said, they really have put that consumer audience community first mm-hmm. and he feels so cared for as a mm-hmm. consumer which was so touching the way he was talking about it was like okay what's the deal like are you like paid by them like, <laughs> like you're, there's so much love there like this cannot yeah. be real and I was like I need to like figure that for Fable and Main because that love for a brand was it can't be bought yeah. like, I was like so I don't know what you've done so tell me this magic formula that you've got to get this trance on these consumers loving Coco Kind <laughs> yeah well that's that's so awesome to hear I think yeah. I mean that, that makes me so happy we were just talking about this as a team yesterday actually um yeah. You know, the first thing is I always approach our consumers as a fellow consumer. Like I am not a beauty founder who uses, like I literally only use Coco Kine products on my yeah. skin, you know, for makeup I use, and hair, obviously I use Fable and Main. Like there's so many other products I use outside of, yeah. um, outside of skincare, but skincare, like I am, I'm like a full on Coco Kine stan, you know, and, yeah. and that's always been the thing. And so I build the business. I build the voice and everything. And we as a team deliver like what we want to say as fellow consumers. And so I think there's like, that was always a thing. Like I felt like brands were like at an arm's length distance from consumers. And it was like, let me show you this really pretty image. Mm. Um, and this like aspirational view of like what you should be and why you should buy this and everything. And that's just not who we are. We're like, Hey, you know, Oh, like grow with us you know, make mistakes with us, learn with us, get better with us. Like, you know, we're just a very humble brand. And, um, and then, so in that way, the consumer is like along with the the journey with us. Um, But we really do go like over and beyond for our um, consumers. Like we just, we'll just do like random things that make them feel special and make them feel heard. Um, I just think it really starts with the philosophy of like, talking to your consumer as a fellow consumer, not as like a beauty brand founder or a beauty company or marketing, whatever, like it sounds cheesy. Um, and yeah, it is marketing at the end of the day, but like, we're not trying for it to be marketing. Like it's just who we are. That's the voice of our brand and the relationship that we care to nourish. So we have such a positive relationship with our consumers. We give them love. They give us love. We give them love. It's, it's this amazing thing. Um, but it's because there's actual like real, like real people behind it, like really nourishing that relationship. And so, 
you know, it's just a mentality. It's, it's not, we, we literally don't do anything. We don't have the most amount of dollars. We don't have any, the most amount of, like, we just are so real with that. There's no, like, special sauce, you know? Yeah. People always ask me that. And it's just like, I don't know. You know, we're just being people at the end of the day. And I, th- I think there is also a lot of little things you've done, which are big in the grand scheme. But, like, for example, you you say, you know, you say quite a lot, like, the money part. But I think you, you do that because you've eaten up, like, you give the consumer the best price and not necessarily focus on your internal profit because the products thing, I look at the ingredients, the inky list, you have incredible ingredients. I've tried all your products, you know, your ultimate cleanser, all your products I use daily. I I, I say that honestly, and they're performed so well Mm -hmm. and even better than like the 50, $60 ones of the same version I've seen, um, cleansers and stuff. And you don't, you could double your price Mm -hmm. and still people will buy it. But why, why, I mean, obviously we know in the future there might be some price increases because of certain issues <laughs> yeah. externally. So I'm not saying this, like, I'm not, I'm not going to put the coffin in the head right now, but just for now, <laughs> why do you, uh, as a founder to founder, why do you, uh, like, well, I know why, but like, like how come you decided to like really make your prices so damn affordable? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, first is like the, we all know the beauty industry has great margins. So like, we don't care about profit any less than another business, you know? And that's like important because I, I always think like, sometimes we like the world can think profit is an enemy. And I am a firm believer when I talk about like business, I think there was just so many businesses that inspired me to do business in a different way, but that doesn't mean you're not caring about profit you're not caring about sales growth and all that stuff like we have to be a profitable business in order to have an impact you know that we want to have and so um but you know the beauty industry has a lot of room and um and it's also about the way that you are intentional with your your prices too so i think first like we you know we are very much like bottoms up like instead of top down, like we'll we'll build the product. And then of course we have like a a range, but we, um, we like build the product first and then determine the the fair price versus the price, you know, and going the other Mm. way around. And that is really helpful too. Um, And then the other aspect of it is like, we, um, we always invest in the formulas more than the packaging. And that has been, um, you know, just like the proportion of cogs that we put into our formula is way, way higher, multiple, multiple times more than the packaging itself versus like a one-to-one relationship or something like that. Um, We're, you know, very different than that. So I think it's also about where we spend our dollars. Doesn't mean that our cogs are less than the $40 version, but but, yeah, yeah, we just, we do. That's why our inky lists are so great, but you know, our bottles are stock bottles. Like there's nothing special about the bottles and the packaging that we use, except for, you know, in the day, um, you know, we know most of the the products end up in landfill here and there. So what's the most important is the juice and the thing. But what I love is you measure and share your carbon footprint and every label. And like Mm -hmm. you guys are thinking sustainably on that all forefront, which is, also, uh, yeah, something that I just want to say thank you so much because it's it's very important as an industry. I had this conversation with another podcast guest uh, yesterday, actually, about sustainability. And the beauty industry isn't necessarily as bad as, obviously, the fashion and there's other industries mm-hmm. out there that are a lot more deeper into the whole, like, um, unsustainability uh, movement. But 
for sure, collectively as founders, we can do our part, right? To make sure we're not heading in that direction. And I think little things like this is very important, but what is your view on sustainability for Coco Kind? Mm -hmm. Um, One, you know, I feel um, a lot of responsibility and um, I think, you know, I've so much on this journey myself. When I first started Coco Kind, I thought I always cared about sustainability, but it was Mm. what my understanding of sustainability was. So when I first started the business, I thought it was only about packaging. So I was like, okay, we're going to use glass um, bottles, you know, and then it's like, you know, obviously evolved so much from there. And I think like, you know, sustainability is, is you're never going to be like perfect in your journey there. And, um, but there's this learning and that is where I think that brands should um, have the burden of education. Like sustainability literacy is extremely important. It's the same way you know, I was talking to our sustainability advisor yesterday and, you know, it's the same way you think about like financial literacy, like you can't save money unless you know, you know, what your P&L is Um, and you can't, you know, make sustainability improvements unless you know your numbers. And so, you know, we really believe in like that measurement and data versus words, numbers versus words. And, um, and, and also leaving room for improvement. Like we're not, you know, we're not, um, you know, staying static on that. And we have to measure our products every single year because there's a lot of things that change. And then also we have to tell the consumer why this matters and not assume that they know or understand either. So, you know, that's kind of like my general, um, my general stance is just like, it is learning and, and I'm really um, not against, but like, I just firmly believe in just getting to the root of like why this matters versus trying to do things from a marketing angle. So, you know, the logos and all that stuff right now that are really all over the place. Like I get that they're better than the alternative, you know, of no efforts, but like, why is, what is a climate neutral logo mean? Um, And, you know, what are you spending on? And, uh, you know, there's just so much nuance in sustainability efforts. And a lot of education, like we're always learning. And I think having that transparency of even where we're, where we're at as brands yeah. on that journey and even that two-way communication of like educators, like there was a LinkedIn post today I read of someone saying the power of reviews and actually it was like an Amazon product and uh it, they claimed vegan but actually someone went deeper into some of the ingredients that actually cl- technically you're not and you know it was a very like it wasn't like a sh- uh, like a shouting review it's like a just like fyi there's more to be done here and i think having that listening communication open like you know we're 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 a small team of people totally. building brands we're humans we're making mistakes we're figuring it out yeah um so i think it's just realizing that if you're transparent you can also feel less pressured because you'll just be maybe, you know, you'll be surprised with people are very receptive to just as long as you're willing to to move and change and be agile. Yeah. That's the most important. We've always found that to be the case. You know, yesterday I met a consumer of ours that has been buying Coca-Cola for five years. Like, you know, in a five-year time period, our messaging has, you know, the values haven't changed or the messaging has changed. The products have developed. Like, you know, there's been so much change, but like, that's the thing is like we are able to bring consumers along for the long haul because exactly. we bring them along and we don't claim to be perfect. No, exactly. That, and that's, that's, and they feel really part of that journey. Like I told you with Jacob, like they really feel connected as if it was their brand, which I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of brands that have, you know, I talk about community a lot with you because there are a lot of brands that have community. We know that, but not like 
connected community. Does that make sense? Like you have like the glossier communities, but that's just, they just love the hype and the brand. Totally. But they, don't, yeah. they don't necessarily go around every single day putting out of their bag and be like, this is the best product. Go get it. This is amazing. Love the founder. Love this. They just say, I love glossier. It's a cool brand, right? Mm-hmm. For you yeah, guys, yeah. it's so much deeper because you've really built it that way. But I would love if you could like maybe um, explain for our audience listening in a little bit about your product portfolio, some of your hero skews, mm-hmm. so they can um, yeah learn more about Coco Kain's portfolio. Yeah, totally. Um, so it all starts with like, you know, what I was saying before about previously my skincare, I always like, my skincare always stung my face. Like I always turn red and I, you know, always peeling and like had a lot of like literal physical pain with my, my skincare. And so, you know, that kind of goes to our philosophy of like barrier first, you know, always designing products for sensitive skin and hydration, you know, at the end of the day, like you need hydration. Every, like there's so many things that hydration or barrier are like the root cause of your issues. And so, um, So that's kind of like the general philosophy in the brand. Um, And um, a lot, most of our customers would classify their skin as sensitive skin, but they might be dealing with acne, they might be dealing with dryness or oiliness, like whatever it is, but they would mostly classify their skin as sensitive skin. Um, And so, you know, ranging from, you know, we have a we have many products, but the, the hero products, um, you know, the oil to milk cleanser is just like a really barrier supporting cleanser. Um, it's like an oil cleanser, but it turns into milk, um, when you add water to it. So, you know, it's like you, I wanted an oil cleanser that you can wash off and it emulsifies. Um, and, um, and then our ceramide barrier serum is also a hero product for us because it's just like a really milky serum and it's so easy to use, feels really nice, like non-sticky on skin, but it helps with like not only barrier support, hydration, et cetera, et cetera. Like people find that it is like the staple for so many skincare issues. Um, and it kind of addresses it all in one and just overall boosts like skin health. Um, mm. And then our SPF, you know, we, we are firm believers in SPF every day. And so, you know, we have a man, mineral only option and a hybrid SPF. And so those two are also, you know, the products that people are always um, super hype over. So those are kind of like the, the, if I had to build like a really simple routine, it would be, you know, the cleanse, the oil smoke cleanser, the ceramide serum, you know, texture smoothing cream with a celery based moisturizer and then an SPF. Um, and that would be like the very basic staple for that to start with. I love that. No, it's thank you for painting that picture. But obviously I'll put the link of cocokind.com on the website on the summary so people can also explore. And your website has an incredible navigation UX. So it's super easy for people new to skin or, or skincare savvy people to find the perfect product, which I love. Um, but I know you're also in like um, Target and Ulta. So uh, tell us a bit about your retail footprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we are um, in Target and nationwide and they've been really great partners for us. Um, I feel like the, tar- I mean, I'm a target shopper too. And I feel like the target shopper is like, you know, so much of the cocoa kind shopper. So it's just kind of like a perfect alignment there. Um, but you know, we, we started off with like, you know, only a couple SKUs in like a hundred doors, um, two and a half years ago and have grown significantly there. So it's just, uh, the, the shopper is really resonating with our brand and, and, and vice versa. Um, a lot of times people will discover us online, you know, on social media, but then they love, you know, their target hauls. And so that's what we typically see. Um, we're also launching an Ulta this summer. So that's going to be, um, you know, coming in a month or so. So we're very excited about that. And that's our first, you know, 
beauty retail, yeah. beauty destination. So we're really excited about that. And, um, you know, again, feel like we continue to bring like that, that um, community, yeah. you know, to the store and, um, and do it in a way that we're actually incremental to, you know, the category. So that's where, you know, we've, we've been really lucky to have a lot of success. And uh, in this environment, could not be more happy to be an omni-channel brand. <laughs> you know, in the past two years, I've had so many swings yeah. between, you know, direct and, uh, and retail. So it's, we are very lucky to have, you know, both, both, both channels working for yeah, us. Yeah, no, it's very important, especially, uh, I mean, even in the two years of me building Fable and Maine, where it started day one pandemic, literally online, then D2C, and then we're Sephora.com, and then Sephora Brick and Mortar, and now, like, when all these retailers globally, but it's interesting to see how brick and mortar is really rising. Retail is really important. So you have to think about, you know, if you can afford to, because it's also expensive to open up so channels expensive. and doors, uh, is it like, you know, and also there, there's a lot of work and manpower and this and that, but the best thing is, is it does allow for more like a sustainable business approach and giving your consumers access in their preferred ways, right? The mm -hmm. biggest problem I'm always having is that Amazon, even like I personally am like an Amazon, like same day, next day delivery, right? Oh. Um, then I'm also like, when do I eventually go on there? Like you have to like think about what people want, uh, not yeah. necessarily what the retailers want or the exclusivity and stuff. It's hard. But as we know, there's a moment of graduation for a brand where you can dictate your future when you're strong or big enough. But uh, at the same time, it's decision making at the early days are quite hard from all Super the hard. things I said, you know, like time, like timing and uh, uh, product and even, even just simple as do I have enough uh, like inventory that's yeah, yeah. the biggest issue as well because you know no point opening up all these doors and then no inventory to fill them so big decisions but at the same time you know it's all uh, if you just put your consumers first you'll figure out what's the best way to do it and again communicating saying like even for me like I was like we had a lot of feedback at the beginning saying why are we not in India as an Indian mm -hmm. founded and actually heritage-led brand. Totally. And it was just, you know, we were really shocked by just educating and saying, listen, it's project registration takes this long. And if mm -hmm. I'm coming, I want to do it the right pricing. If I came now, it would be cross-border and have to do like a huge price increase and that wouldn't be the right way to launch it. And then they were like, oh, actually, no, take your time, take a year, it's fine. Like, totally. like oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Totally, so yeah. You'd be surprised, you'd be surprised. Um, but before we go a little bit into like... Um, just a bit about into your personal like kind of routines and then eventually fire round. Could you like encapsulate for you, for us, your vision for Coco Kind going forward? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always, well, you know, again, it goes back to, I've been doing this for a, a longer time, you know, seven and a half years, not like the longest time, but like seven and a half years is a long time for, like, you know, a, a founder um, and CEO. Sure. And so, you know, you don't do that for that long of a time if, unless, I don't know, you're kind of in it. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I have always wanted to start a business and build a business, um, but I will never do it again. I mean, mm. I'm saying that now, but like, I'm almost yeah. positive. I will never, I have no yeah. desire to launch another business, you know? Um, yeah. And um I think that in so many ways, like we are in early days. Um, yeah. I have a lot of ambition generally for what we can achieve, what um, the company 
beyond Coco Kind can achieve too. I think, mm. you know, beauty businesses today, um, you know, the way that we think about how to build them and what the long-term looks like, there's only a couple options, but I feel like there's so many more options that, you know, you can continue to build a business. You can build a platform business. There's so much that you can do. And, um, and so, you know, I have a, a long career ahead of me. And, and so, you know, the first thing is I, I am, have always been concentrating on building Coco Kind to be a really amazing, you know, standalone beauty business. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to see how far that takes me, you know, um, at the same time, like that also means I have to protect my own longevity because it's such a, you know, freaking hard thing to do day in, day out, like as an entrepreneur, like it's so taxing. And so, yep. um, so yeah, there's a longevity that I really want to protect in myself, but otherwise like the vision is there to continue to make this into a, just a really great large beauty business that has a lot of impact, not only in beauty um, and how people do things, but in, you know, other industries as well. So that's kind of like the vision. I love that. And you know, there's something also in that about knowing, knowing what type of entrepreneur you are is very important. You know, some are, um, made to build hundred businesses and then leave them and, or just ideate them and then exit some to build one, that will last and be passed down through generations. Even on this podcast, mm-hmm. interviewing different founders is very interesting to see certain oh, yeah. visions, right? Like people like Anastasia Beverly Hills is definitely building her brand for her daughter. And mm-hmm. it's a, she's 18 years, uh, still signing off POs 18 years in, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, uh, I, I, when I had that, I was like, I'm still going to sign POs then, no excuse. <laughs> um, but, um, but actually at the same time, I don't know if you had the same uh, mindset on this, but like, I was, I've always been a serial entrepreneur in my mind, love building new things. But as I'm getting, as I'm building, I'm also, I don't want to say getting older, but like, you know, I'm definitely getting more experience. I'm getting different personality changes of like, what is my priority in life? I'm starting, you know, what I, my priorities were two years ago, different to now. Um, I'm actually noticing I can, you know, a brand is so much more than we think today. Um, and I can actually try to fuse in those ideas I have within the universe of what I'm building. So, you know, I could still, um, you see with Amy Liu and Tower 28 with the Clean Beauty Summer School, like that's something like technically could be two separate businesses, but they come so universally together. Um, for me with my fund and helping tigers and putting in the brand, there's ways that we can actually like still build excitement, newness, diversify our actions out of necessarily the beauty scape but mm-hmm. still live within the universe of what we're building and that's even a conscious way of building it. i call it like the future of conscious brand building it's like we don't need to have ten thousand brands you know yeah but let's make a brand more impactful and more diverse and more enriching and i think that's what i can see you doing with coco kind for sure um mm-hmm. hearing what you're saying and would you agree with that like that's yeah to totally yeah i mean i yeah. think there's there's um there's you know such a and there's so many possibilities of what this um, can turn into. I think, you know, generally I'm like a very focused heads down entrepreneur, mm. you know, I'm very, very involved in the business, you know, every day on the ground doing business. Um, and so that is like my, I love that, you know, I love being yep. in do, doing like very involved um, and, and kind of just, yeah, building Um and solving problems. And so, um, but in the long term, you know, I think that there's so many opportunities for both me and the business and, you know, maybe inspiring other businesses to come on board. I don't know, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to, 
to build. So from that, that can be extremely impactful um, for Definitely. the industry long term. Well, are you 100% that? I mean, I tell so many people I, I meet, in, like non-beauty related necessarily, like even my friends about our first encounter. You know, you 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 spearheaded with your idea of this AAPI beauty box. And then we had all these like countless meetings, which you were leading. You were on every call. I wasn't even on all the calls. You were on every <laughs> single one. You were like, and, and, you know, in my mind, had one of the biggest brands out of everyone in the group, yet you were still there. On the, yeah. on the forefront of it with your idea. And it was just so um, inspiring to see as a new leaf, like a new entrepreneur, me, to see that and that, that, um, that leadership, but also that um, ethic, hard work ethic. Like it was just like, yeah, so beautiful. And I hope you just, I want to let you know, like that was so noticed. It was not unnoticed. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you so much. That's like, so much. Uh, and very inspiring for someone like me to, to, to see that. So yeah, just a huge kudos to you on that. I uh, hope it, the people listening remember like AAPI was, I mean, all of that was literally you, Priscilla. So thank you. Um, the box. Um, but I, I do kind of want to go a little bit into um, uh, your rituals for success and routines, because I always like to ask this question, the pandemic has definitely shaped the way we've built businesses now and or building it. Um, and being at home or, you know, being a bit more in touch with our wellness, did you adopt and did you now, do you still have today any like rituals that keep you motivated and grounded while building your business? Mm, I think, you know, um, I live a really simple life, you know, um, I, meaning like there's only a couple things that I really care about and, you know, put my energy into every yeah. day. Um, and that is, uh, my family, my business and my close friends, you know, and, and my, my like network and the, like the community around me. Right. Um, and that those are friends that I have personally and they're friends that I have through work. Like, you know, just like how the, the relationships that made me feel really good, but, um, yeah, I do have a, I do have a 16 month old. And, um, so I start my morning every day with him and my husband. And so that to me is like one of the most grounding things that I do. I end my day um, from 5.30 to 7. My, my, my baby goes to bed at 7.30 every night, and which is great because he's, he's a great sleeper and we can do work okay. afterwards, but every day I end my day at 5.30. Um, and, you know, I, I think that to me, um, that like family is just um, so important to me. And it, it is such a relief from the battleground of starting and, and building a business, you know, like you need a relief when I was you need younger that before I, you need that escape before that it was, you know, I had more time to like have that relief working out. And today I don't have as much of that, but you know, I think it's, you need a relief. And to me in this stage of my life, my family my husband and, and, and my, um, my kids are my relief. Oh, I love that. No, it's such a beautiful, beautifully well, that's so sad. Well, and I think also it's important to notice and keep a routine on that sometimes, um, mm-hmm. what keeps you grounded, because sometimes we can hop in and out of it. Um, I mean, you can't, when you have a 16 month year old, it's, it's there, you, you have to make, you can't <laughs> just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so exactly. that, that's a bit easier to keep a routine on. Yeah. But uh, for those like me who don't have like necessarily like a immediate family by my side every day, I, uh, I need to sometimes have like, whether it's a gym or whatever it totally. is, something yeah. I stick to to keep me away from I love the battlefield of building a business but I don't want to be stuck in this battlefield every mm-hmm. single hour of the day Definitely I need my escape, not. Yeah. recharge come back in exactly. <laughs> it's important 
Um, exactly. But, so before we go into fire round questions, I have a desert island question for you. It's going to be really hard because talking about, you know, babies and you have your other baby is kind, as we know. So I'm being quite strict. I'm inviting you to a, a fable of main, uh, not fable of main, a founded beauty island, but um, I'm only allowing you to bring one product with you. So what's your go-to product from Coco Kind? Um, I think it's like, I have it here, the My Matcha Stick. I, um, yeah. It's lips, you know, anywhere, dry spots, whatever, but I use it like 25 times a day. Uh, I mean, oh. the, the smartest thing would be like SPF, um, but um, the My Matcha is like the most used frequency. So versatile. I, like I need to have one at all times. So yeah, so that would be the item. Well, amazing. That's, yeah. I, it's, I, and it's, uh, is it $9? How much is it? Yeah. Yeah. Such an amazing price point again. I mean, we know that, but <laughs> so incredible for such a versatile product. Um, so now it's fire on questions. First thing that comes to your mind. The first question is, what's another beauty brand you're currently loving? And of course, we know Fable and Maine, but apart from Fable and Maine. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just tried the, um, the Sunny's Face. Uh, blush and I'm obsessed with their mm. and they just started shipping to the US so very excited for them nice um, what is a, well, what's a guilty pleasure of yours reality TV 100% well Bravo that goes my next question what are you currently watching or reading um, so I'm a Bravoholic uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills um, I also just read like the uh, Emily Henry new book book lovers um, and my husband and I watched Survivor together <laughs> nice because he that. won't watch Bravo with me <laughs> I get it I, I mean, you have to have one one show that at least you watch together it's, yes. it's important so. yeah exactly <laughs> what's your favorite social media platform right now um, I'd still say Instagram and do you have a favorite quote or mantra um, I think my best quote is or just mantras just to stay humble yeah very i mean it's simple but so impactful and we forget sometimes uh <laughs> stay humble and it really shows um and last question is if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur what would you be doing right now i'd probably be like a food business entrepreneur Ooh. i mean you had <laughs> you had a company in the past right that was just was it uh, we like to make money while I was building Cocoa Kind. I was exporting natural foods to um, to Asia, um, and so it was like all these like U.S. Um, brands that were new and consolidating them and selling. To, I literally just like made that business by myself and like went to Hong Kong and was like, who who needs U.S. stuff? And a lot of people wanted it, and there were a lot of newer brands, so I did that. But yeah, I think the food industry has always been very insightful for me. Yeah, no, I love it. I love asking that question because also when you can remind yourself in the future, like what you know, there's there's multi, not about being a serial entrepreneur, but being reinventing. Sometimes you know things happen, changes happen, uh-huh. so we can reinvent ourselves a lot in our lives with all our different passions. Sometimes, totally. uh, so yeah, always rem- always remember everyone listening. Ask yourself uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Because you never know. Maybe you will be doing that. Totally, totally. Um, but Priscilla, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, I mean, this is just you know, it's, this is a documented conversation, but we're going to continue talking for a lot more time. Sure. You're a friend of, of mine course. for life, and so excited to be on this journey with you. But in the meantime, where can everyone follow you and Cook? kind on socials 
Um, you can find us at, at Coco Kind on Instagram, um, at Priscilla.sci on Instagram, or at Coco Kind Skincare on TikTok. Amazing. I'll put all the links in the in the summary as well as cocaine.com website so you can all check out. And of course, as I said before, it's available at a lot of amazing retailers, Ulta in a very, very soon, um, also Target. So definitely do discover Coco Kind there. And Priscilla, we'll be in touch. And thank you again. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.